Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. Hey, I'm Shauna Comptigame. This is Millennial Money, and today we have a Millennial Money music chat with singer and songwriter Jessica Childress. Close my eyes, let it fall away, forget about tomorrow. When it all caves in, I gotta breathe again, leave the sorrow, and you and I will find a place in paradise. Hey there, and welcome to another edition of Millennial Money Lifestyle Thursday. You know, sometimes our journey to what we're destined to do can take many turns and twists. That's exactly what happened to singer-songwriter Jessica Childress. After quitting her full-time job in public relations a few years ago, Childress decided to swap her 9-to-5 corporate job for the bright lights on stage and take a crack at singing professionally. Shortly after that, she found herself on national TV. 
as she competed for season four of NBC's The Voice. Although this booming voice singer did not win the title on the show, Childress finally found her own voice and her own home on stage. Check out our conversation with this soulful singer as we talked about her journey to the stage, singing with Team Usher, and her fun rituals before she hits the stage every night. Uh, I'm Jessica Childress, and uh, I'm a singer, and I like burritos and tequila. All right. <laughs> Together, preferably, right? Obviously, yes. So you, you actually haven't been a professional singer all that long. Tell us about how you broke into the business and how your career's gone so far. Um, yeah, I've, I would say I've been professionally singing for about two, three years now. I... I had a corporate job before music and kind, not on a whim, but but kind of. I decided that I was going to quit that job and pursue music. And I'm using the air quotes because it's like, what does that even mean? <laughs> and looking back, I had no idea what I was doing. But um, the first the first kind of big thing that happened was I got an opportunity to be on The Voice and that was such a a cool platform for me to be able to take my own self seriously and introduce myself as an artist for the first time. And how was it working on The Voice? Like, what did you actually uh, learn about that? And actually tell us a little bit how you got the, the, that's an interesting story, actually, how you got a call to, to, to be on The Voice. So the how I got to be on The Voice is still a little bit nebulous to me, um, how it all went down, because I got an email out of the blue from a producer. And, and here's, here's how it's kind of the stars aligned a little bit. Like I said, I, I quit my job to pursue music. I didn't have a plan at all as to what I was going to do with what that was going to look like at all. And I think it was maybe two weeks later, I got an email from a producer that said, we'd love for you to come in and um, meet with the producers here uh, on The Voice. And I was so mystified because I didn't go to an audition. I hadn't reached out to anybody. I hadn't really been performing as an artist at all. I mean, every once in a while I would maybe hit an open mic or karaoke and there was this, you know, vaudeville band that I used to pretend I was the lead singer of. But other than that, I, I, I still really don't know how exactly they found me. And, uh, I went in, met with the producers. We had such a fun time. And so just to show how naive I was, I went in and played on the keyboard that they had in there for like the house musicians. I went in there, played on the keyboard, all original music, which is evidently a huge no-no and a huge liability. But I didn't even know it was my first real audition for anything. And I just kind of balanced in there and, <laughs> and that's, that, that probably makes it probably that probably makes it better though right I mean because you didn't you didn't have like this sort of crazy fear and intimidation that you know a lot of people who maybe been auditioning you know like a thousand times you know they're like oh yeah. god not this again that's true and I will say this a lot of my friends are actors and or do musical theater and walking into that room and just looking at the faces behind this table just kind of intimidated me so much. I could never audition professionally, ever, ever, ever. 
And who, who, whose team did you actually end up being on, on The Voice? I ended up on Usher's team. I, I was actually the very, very last person to audition on my season because there was only one slot left. And they don't really tell you that. Um, they don't tell the contestants waiting how many spots are left and how many uh, contestants have already been chosen and by whom. So you kind of go into these auditions completely blind. And so when Usher chose me, I was like, I, 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 after he turned his chair around, I was so excited. And I was thinking, I'm, I won't lie. I was thinking to myself, like only one chair. Oh, <laughs> and then I found out it was the only spot left on the show. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Well, what did, what did you learn from, from Usher? Usher is such a professional. He's such a, I mean, he's had such a long career and he gave me a lot of advice about not trying to fit my voice, my personality into a box of what's popular and really just owning the fact that I have a low, really gravelly voice, owning that, you know, as um, an African-American female, I'm not necessary. I don't necessarily fit right inside an urban category and that that's great. And that's, what's going to set me apart. He really encouraged me to embrace my uniqueness rather than try to fit into a box of any kind. Yeah. So since you just kind of fell into, you know, being on the voice, which is that even a thing, (laughs) um, (laughs) You know, were you were you like freaking out as you were going through this experience or, you know, how how were you feeling? I I was so I felt so out of my depth, so out of my depth, because, you know, you're surrounded by people that have had bands for years. Some people already have record deals. Some people have had record deals, been dropped, are releasing new music, you know, some of these people are background singers that have been working for some of the biggest artists in the industry, legends. And, you know, you all, you have that conversation at dinner, like, okay, so what have you been doing? Who have you worked with? What is your situation? And I had nothing to say, you know, and I felt so intimidated by the process. I felt so intimidated by, you know, having to sing for millions of people on national TV and, you know, not ever, not having any experience to draw from and to calm those nerves. It was, it was kind of a crazy, a crazy thing for me. So what was your other career before this and how has that kind of helped you, um, in, in the world of, uh, you know, being a singer? Um, I was a PR and marketing executive beforehand for about seven, eight years, even, Uh, I still, you know, when times are tough, we'll pull a client every now and again. Um, It's funny because, you know, you you would think that given my history of creating brands and, and communicating with media that, you know, writing my own bio and promoting myself would be such a breeze. But in some ways, I feel like I... I can do it for someone else, but for me, it's so hard to do. Um, but I think I think the, the way that it's benefited me the most is just sort of the work ethic required to, to be in PR and marketing is you have to really accept and expect long hours and really grind it out and make sure that you're always upping your game for your client. And in, and in that way, you know, translating that skill to music has been hugely helpful because I never 
had an expectation of, of just being able to write songs and things coming to me. I've always assumed that it would be, it would feel like a day job, even though it's music. Yeah, absolutely. So after The Voice, like, what is the transition like back into the, you know, quote unquote, real world? Uh, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's tough. It's a bit. <laughs> I, I had <laughs> such a hard time. Okay. So they really like when you're in the voice or I'm sure any of these other shows, it is your life. It is all you think about. Your whole world revolves around this idea that, you know, your dreams are about to come true and you believe it. You totally believe the hype. And then like there's going to be the magical like pot of gold just kind of, you know, sitting oh, there glowing, yeah. waiting for you. <laughs> I remember after I got on the show and uh, we were preparing for our next round, I was sitting with the vocal coach and I was like, I could win. This is going to happen for me. The universe is responding to me. It's all real. And then you're eliminated. And then I was like, oh, my God. And I'm a failure. Why would I quit my great job to do this? I'm a fool. And for a couple of weeks, I was in such a funk and just thinking, why did I do this? This was such a mistake. I should just go back to my boss and say, whoops. Um, Oopsie. Uh, yeah, but uh, where I lived at the time upstairs was another contestant from The Voice that had gotten eliminated the, the following week. So we would meet and have cocktails. <laughs> but it was it was tough. It took me a couple weeks to, to get back to normal. And then, you know, what really got me out of my funk was realizing that, okay, no, you're not on the show, but you still were not planning to do the show in the first place. And you still have your music and you still have your songs and your ability to create. So um, I just remembered that I that life could still move on and that I wasn't a failure yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've also worked with some, some big people, too, in the business since then, uh, like Alan Stone. Tell us about your working with him and some of the projects you've kind of worked with him. And, and how is it working with a singer like Alan Stone? Alan is the best of the best that I have been a fan of his for years, for years and years. And I had stalked him at all of his LA shows, tried to get backstage. I was a little bit of a groupie and, um, unbeknownst to him, actually, I think it's fine. Um, <laughs> and I, I had met his, his drummer at South by Southwest and his, some of his band came to one of the sets that I did and we just kind of hit it off. And I mentioned to the drummer, I was like, if Alan's ever looking for backing vocalists, like, please let me know. And then I got that call. And, you know, you always hope that these artists that you love and that you admire are as cool as you imagine them in your brain. And he is that and so much more. It was such an education for me being on tour. How, how, it, how it happens, you know, how... You, the work that goes into creating an experience night after night, the fact that even though you get to the next level in your career, on some level, you're still dealing with the same stuff. You're still dealing with 
okay, so I need to be prepared for my next project. I need to make sure that so-and-so and so-and-so can get backstage. I need to check in with my manager. Oh my gosh, my two members of my band are fighting. It's still a lot of the same. And to watch him handle all of that with such class and such grace and with such a sense of humor um, and then bring that authenticity to stage every night. I mean, I saw him give the same amazing performance, sick, exhausted, so distracted with tons of pressure. And, you know, you see it because we we got close. You see it one on one. But the second he steps toenail onto that stage, it is all about love for those people in that room. And and for me, that was hugely inspiring. I mean, the music is so inspiring to me as an artist. I mean, he's he's amazing. It was incredible. I love him. Uh, so you have a new album coming out in 2017, uh, right? What? Uh, tell us about that album and maybe describe the sound a little bit too, as well. Uh, it's been it's been a really freeing, incredible process making this music. I I decided that I was just going to write the things that were in my heart. And that sounds really obvious, perhaps, but, you know, like an artist, of course, you should be writing that way. But it's all—it's really easy to get sucked into this mindset that you need to listen to the radio, you need to write what's current, you need to fit in with what's happening. And I really decided that that wasn't going to be what I was going to do. I wanted to, I wanted it to feel like me. I wanted it to feel like the music I like to listen to. Um, it's super personal. It's super personal. Um, you know, I wrote a lot of the songs during the first couple years of, of my marriage and exploring who I was in the context of this relationship. Um, it really represents all the change, getting married, quitting my job, the, the vulnerability of that. I got to work with some awesome producers, um, Topher Moore and Alex Elena, who really heard my vision and, and, and made it happen. Um, musically, I'd say it's, it's a little bit disco. It's very much underpinned, if that's a word, in, in, in soul music. It's a stripped down raw soul record with bits of funk, bits of disco, um, even, even some indie vibes, but all kind of shades of soul, I'd say. With, with your big voice, of course. With with my giant <laughs> mouth. <laughs> yes. um, well, do you have a release date yet for it? I am holding off on a release date because I'm a crazy person, and it could I could say it is done right now and and turn it in today. But since it's my first official release, I want to take my time on it. And there are a couple tweaks I want to make. And I just wrote a new song. <laughs> and I kind of want to put on it. My poor management is like, Jessica, you got to settle. But I will say it's um, we're, we're we are looking and zeroing in on springtime yeah well i think a lot of the uh, big artists uh it, i mean you know some of the bigger artists even still do that like okay they take forever to finally get one out you know yeah i mean it's such a it's such a create it's like you have this beautiful baby 
And so far it's been only you and your partner loving this baby. And then you're going to send it to kindergarten where like <laughs> it might There's get gonna be germs and uh, all sorts of things and bullies. Yes. Exactly. That's how I feel. I want to protect it. What's uh, you, 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 you told me before that, that you kind of found yourself when you were on stage. What, what's your favorite part about uh, playing live? Oh man, I, I, I am obsessed with the connection that happens with the, with the crowd, with the fans. It is, it is the, I'm addicted to it. The thing that happens when, you know, I'm giving my energy and that energy has been given back and we are just the moment in time that is only for that show is so special to me. It is sacred to me. It is, I take it so seriously. And, uh, that's why I love meeting the people after the show, because I feel like, you know, even though I may not know the names, we may not ever see each other again. Like we've shared something so special. Um, it's my, it's my favorite part. I just, I live for it. And uh, you also have some of the most interesting rituals before you go on stage. You, you have to tell that story. It's so weird. <laughs> weird is good. It's endearing. Well, let's just, I, I've altered some rituals, so I'll give you the updated ritual. There's still the apple. Did I tell you about that? Yes, yes. The, I, I eat an apple. I smoke a cigarette. And I do weird warm-ups. And... Oh, I've started doing this thing where I make notes in my set list to remind myself to stay present and to not get too caught up. So maybe I've eliminated some of the weird things with apple, a cigarette, and I mean, let's be real, a little bit of scotch in there. Just a little bit. <laughs> but why, why the apple, though? Okay, so <clears throat> I, I'm not, you know how some people say, like, oh, you can never have dairy before a show because you'll have phlegm. I don't have that. But the apple is, I think it's a good distraction for me because I get nervous and it's crunchy. I think that's part of it. I think it's a little mental. And then the physical part of it is that it's both moisturizing to your vocal cords while simultaneously slightly acidic. So if you have any gunk, it'll get rid of it. Well, I think I think see I think that's actually totally interesting. I think most people don't even think about that. That those are the th- things you have to think about so you make sure your voice is good. Yeah. Yeah, my warm-ups and my apple and then like the cigarette which is like so bad for you. <laughs> right, right. It basically does away with whatever the apple did for you. <laughs> exactly. It's like a, it's like it evens out. <laughs> but yeah. my mind is right. Yeah, exactly. So do you have uh live shows planned for 2017 or maybe just a- after the album is released? I have a couple things planned already. I'm doing Bottle Rock Festival in the springtime um, and some private shows. But I really, my focus is for, especially, you know, January, February is really just land on this record and get her done. <laughs> exactly. So uh, last question I have is, uh, so who are you listening to? What other bands are and groups are you listening to? Oh, okay. So. I'm listening to a lot of Anderson Pack because he's amazing. Childish Gambino just put out a crazy good record. Um, and lyrically, it I mean, it's rap, but it's also melodic, and his voice is beautiful. Um, Solange, 
her record was super impactful and, and spoke to a lot of the things that are going on today. Um, I don't know how you say his name. I think it's Gallant or Gallant. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know how to say it. I, I've seen it on the radio, yeah. Super bomb. Really fresh. Really loving that. I think what's happening in in the soul R&B hip-hop world is really cool. I think um, there's a producer called Golly Matias that is always doing really fresh work that I really I love to listen to. Um yeah, that that's where that's where my ears are at right now. And and lastly, so knowing what you know now, if if you were to go back, would you do anything differently or would you would you do everything exactly the same, quitting your job the same way, the no plan, all of that? Uh, you know, uh, I think I I think I would I think I would do it the same only because like something that I learned about myself I think especially doing the tour that I just came back from is that for me to function the best, I have to be, I need the fear. I need, I need that, those butterflies. I need to not know where my feet are going to land. It, it just propels me to such a good place. Um, so I think that the, the whole crazy unpredictable aspect of how I started my music career really propelled me forward more so than if I had had a plan and knew exactly what I was doing, you know? So where can, uh, when people are going to look you up, cause they will look you up after this great interview, uh, where can they find your music, uh, and your website? Uh, my website is Jessica Childress Music, and my last name is C-H-I-L-D-R-E-S-S, and I always say it's like, you're going to chill, and then you're going to put on a dress. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, but like people get it. Um, and you can find my music pretty much all of the places on iTunes, Spotify. I'm not on Tidal, but iTunes and Spotify uh, and, uh, and my website. 